0: grounded growing in glory as we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 we're picking up with a broader section of verses 4 through 8 4 through 8 as we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 we're going to read verses 1 through 8 out loud together to put things in context to give us a good sense of the passage I will note that the real um, containment of thought actually goes from verses 4 through 11. But for our purposes, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 this morning, as I think that's what we're going to be able to uh, navigate this morning with the time that we have. So First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, would you read out loud with me? But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh As a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. This passage in growing is definitely a look to what God is doing in the world and God's timetable to what he's doing. We've been making reference to this since we've been in this passage in chapter 5. This resignation that we have, this uh, stepping up to the plate, to the timing that we are called to. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I played in Babe Ruth Baseball League. Anybody familiar with Babe base- Ruth Baseball League? Um, I was never any good at baseball, ever. And uh, I, we had white pants and uh, blue shirts that were striped. I would, I would go out to the field at the end of the game and slide into first base, which you're not supposed to do, slide into second base so that I wouldn't go home with clean pants. Um, but there come, time, there come times in your life where you are called to the plate. And uh, as a young baseball player, I would get called to the plate. And when you're called to the plate, you feel like all the world's eyes are on you. And uh, it, you've got to deal with what... I was such a good, I was such a good batter that uh, the pitcher, I had two strikes. And we had a guy on first base. The pitcher threw a changeup, and a changeup, his changeup was a very slow arcing uh, uh, slow pitch, where it almost looked like an underhanded uh, softball pitch. It had such an arc. Now, not only did he throw it slowly, but he threw it outside of the plate, and what I didn't know is that they knew our signs that were telling our guy on first to be a hit and run. That means if I was to swing the bat, He was just to take off running. Well, they had overconfidence in my ability. In that slow pitch that was about five feet away from the plate, the catcher stood up to catch the pitch. If that's the plate, he stood up to catch the pitch over here. Now, my coach said hit and run, which meant that I believed I was supposed to swing the bat. I swung at that pitch. And not only did I miss it, but they threw the guy out at second as well. I'm such a good player. So, but it was my time to shine. It was my time to be at the plate. It was my time to hold the bat in my hand and to swing and to try to get a hit. Well, you and I are at bat. You and I are called by God to be stepping up to the plate, to be what God has called his saints to be, which means disciples of Christ, Following him no matter what. So we are called to this time today, and this time is a day where darkness is growing. And in that darkness, we reference it here in verse 4, where this church in Thessalonica, if you ever wondered what the church was for, it's pretty well revealed in this passage. The church is a gathering together of God's people. Do unsaved people come? Yes. Do we want those unsaved people to be saved? Yes. But he knows he's speaking to the gathering of God's people because in verse 4 he says, but ye brethren, speaking to Christians, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He goes on to say, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And he's referencing this assembly of believers. Now, what he says about them is, you are not in darkness. You have been delivered from darkness. You have come to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. John 1 says that he is the light that lighteth every man. The light has come on. And being a believer, you came to the light and became a believer. You came to the exposing light that you're a sinner where all your sin is magnified, all the despicableness of who we are outside of Christ and the judgment that is deserved was shown to us and by the grace of God, we respond to that light and are saved gloriously by the miraculous hand of God and we are now, today, children who've been delivered from darkness and are made children of light, amen? So this is what he calls you. And he says, you are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. That day, we referenced largely last week, that day of the coming of the Lord, which would be judgment. That day of the coming of the Lord, which would be accountability. That day where we stand before God or God brings his judgment, and we are not in the darkness that we would be oblivious to what's happening in the night. It wasn't too long ago. Um, you know, some of you in Idaho who've grown up here, you remember the days where you could leave your car doors unlocked. You remember where you left your front door unlocked. I hear people talking about this area where they used to walk between the fields, between Meridian and Boise, and have a shotgun on their shoulder, go hunting pheasant in the fields. Try that today, okay? Uh, a little different day to day. But I remember stepping outside my house uh, not too long ago. And I stepped out, I don't know why, I, I don't know what was going on. It was, it was one of those, it was one of those uh, unusual things where I woke up and I'd gone downstairs and, and I don't know what led me to do it. It's like three in the morning, but I'm, I'm outside three in the morning and I, I happened to notice a car across the street, directly across the street, and it wasn't in a parking spot. And so I kind of came to the end of my driveway and it was unusual, I was looking at it. And um, it was two people, who were breaking into my neighbor's car to steal stuff out of their car, and evidently one of them was a lookout which was not doing a very good job. Because as I was standing there, they were looking around and and I had no, I really didn't know what was going on. Uh, And then all of a sudden they they noticed me. And this is what gave it away that they were up to no good. They noticed me and went (laughs) And and I I realized, oh, they're probably up to no good. Um, And then they both jumped in the car and they sped away. The idea is that bad things happen at night. And by the way, there's a whole lot of truth to this. Even in our lives when we do bad things, many times bad things happen at night. It's the idea that eyes are closed to my behavior. I'm I'm gonna say this, I know it's just applicational, but it's worth hearing. Um, Men, you know, when your wives are in bed, it's probably not a great idea just to stay up on the computer. Probably not a great idea. There are times when I've done that too, and I'm just saying, you know, there are more things that are coming to your life when you think that you're out of the eye of others. Darkness in this passage is that idea that things are happening that others aren't seeing. There's secrecy and hiding and and not just mischievous, but sinful behavior. And he's saying in this verse 4 that you are not of the night, You are children of the day so that that day of the Lord would not overtake you or come upon you by surprise. You are able to see what's coming. You're able to see the plan and the working of God's plan. And so you are not surprised by what's going on. And more than not being surprised, you have prepared. You have prepared. And speaking to this is certainly the gospel call. The gospel call is that everyone who knows that Jesus is coming, everyone who knows that there's a day where you're going to stand before the Lord that is appointed unto man once to die, but after this is the judgment. Everyone who knows that is called to prepare for that day. And as we said last week, there are many in the world who are saying peace and safety. I've got no worry over those issues. I've got no worry over those things. I don't believe in those things, so I'm not concerned about those things at all. I'm going to tell you, I don't nobody here is saying that any form of racism is a good thing at all. We would disavow any form of that, but I'm going to tell you the greatest issues of anybody's life is not going to be social justice. It's not going to be whether you got your welfare check or whether Bernie paid for your college. It's going to be whether your soul was ready to meet Jesus Christ. There are many days that say, hey, I'm really worried about this. I'm not worried about the day of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, if there was ever a time to preach about the day of the Lord, it's now. But we're not of the children of the night where we would be surprised at his coming. We have prepared ourselves, at least in this fashion. Every believer has had a moment in your life where you've turned to faith in Christ and asked him to be your savior or called upon him to be your Lord and you've said, I believe in you, I'm trusting my soul to your care, that preparation means that when the Lord comes back, we are not unprepared. There's, a, there's that positional calling of preparedness in Christ regarding salvation, but there's also that practical application of how you're living your life now, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But he goes on now in verse 5 and he says, You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Now let me ask you, is there any, is there any ambiguity in that passage? Is there any crossing over of the two? It seems to me a pretty solid line that you either are children of the night or you are children of the day, right? Right? This passage doesn't live in the world of havesies or in-betweens. He says that if you are one of those brethren, and by that he's speaking to those who know Christ, ye are of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, there's an applicational calling in this. There is a calling to us in this. Therefore, as believers, he says, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. We'll come to that verse 6 in just a moment. But I want to take this concept of being children of the light. We'll look at three other passage passages that bring out this truth. The first one is Colossians 1.13. This is our little sword drill. You see how fast you can be so that I, I don't outpace you <laughs> by the pre- references I'm going to give. Colossians 1.13, speaking of our redemption, speaking of Christ, if you have it there, you can read it out loud with me. Colossians 1.13, reading with me. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus Christ takes all of us who turn in faith to him. He snatches us out of darkness and he puts us into God's family where now we are. Are the children of light. It is the power of God that does that for you and to you. It is a deliverance. Let me ask you can you praise God this morning for your deliverance? Have you taken a moment today to think about where you would be if it wasn't for the delivering hand of God? Where would you be? What would you be like? I'm going to tell you that in one fashion or another, we would be caught up in everything that the world is caught up in. And if there's anything true in the world today, our world is not at peace. Our world is twisted up and wrangling over all kinds of issues. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this. Are you with me? Stay with me, okay? This is important. I hope I have your heart this morning. I'm gonna tell you that I, I told Pastor Phil, I think, this, I think I told him this week, I believe that the church has some tension in it. Now I'm not saying that you're misbehaving, I'm not saying that you're not doing the right thing, but I am saying that in God's people, I'm beginning to sense the tension and that pressure that you're feeling in society. It's, it's there, every day you're dealing with stuff that the world is throwing out you, throwing at you, and I, I want to ask you this: Think about this. Are you ready? What, let me let me just ask you: What are the major issues of the day? What are the major issues? What are they? Masks. What are no, what are other issues? What is it? Racism. Somebody said voting. Is that what you said? Voting. Any other major ones? I think those are probably enough, right? So maybe COVID nineteen in one fashion or another, and racism. All right, either one of those encouraging? Has the world found peace in those things yet? Fauci, Dr. Fauci, said that he thought goggles were a good idea, I'm waiting to see that. I'm waiting to see where we all start showing up with masks and goggles, and I don't know what's gonna come next, I just kinda wonder. But my point is, the world is wrangling over this stuff. Let me ask you, what would you feel like today if you didn't have the hope of Jesus? Jesus. If you didn't have the hope of Jesus right now, what would you feel like in the world? What would it feel like to navigate the world today if you didn't have the hope of Christ? Who hath translated us from the power of darkness, that delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? Second Peter chapter first, excuse me, First Peter chapter two. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Understand your position in Christ. It's interesting the language of 1 Peter because he talks about you as priests. Those who are called to be priests before the Lord, to even make sacrifices unto him of praise, and there's more than than we can go into here, but so first Peter chapter two, first Peter chapter two, verses nine and ten i 'll read it for us, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into not just light but into his marvelous light. I think that needs to sit. On us. That needs to be chewed on by us to recognize we're not just children of light, which is glorious enough, but he says his marvelous light. Let that set on you for a bit. Verse 10 which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We, as God's people, are the beneficiaries of the light of Jesus and those benefits are many but the benefits laid out in this last verse, we were not a people but now we are. We belong to somebody and that somebody we belong to is God himself. We are a people who were without mercy but now mercy is abundantly resting on every believer's life. You are forever a testament and a testimony to the mercy of God. All of our redemptive days in eternity future, we will always be beneficiaries of the mercy of God. Amen? Always, always. One moment in heaven, there's not one moment in heaven that we will ever have deserved to be there. But all who know him will be there because of the sufficiency of Christ's atoning work. Jesus, as we know, Jesus paid it all. So, we're a royal priesthood, a chosen people. We have been delivered out of darkness. The last one I'll reference in this concept is Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. Is this a day of darkness or a day of light? Well, never underestimate the power of light to pierce the darkness. Romans 13 verse 11. And that knowing the time, reference that we have here in 1 Thessalonians 5. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Why? Because you are a child of the day, a child of light. This is what God has called you to. Now, we're going to get to it, but you obviously read there in Romans 13, the alluding to the fact that because we are the children of light, That we should act like the children of light. We'll come back back to that later. But remember the passage. Tuck this away. That God has called you out of that, and now, as it says here in verse verse eleven, now is our salvation nearer than we believed. Have you thought about that? The day of our deliverance, when we will experience the presence of God, is closer than the day that we believed. How long have you been a believer? I haven't done the math. Somebody can do the math. I was saved in 83. Young people, there were the 80s, a long time ago. There are some of here who know quite a bit more years than that. But it's been a long time in my life that I've known the Lord, and every day that the Lord tarries, our deliverance is one step closer one day closer. The timing of this passage, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let's just make no mistake about the great importance of the gospel in this day. This day of an opportunity for people to be saved. If we come back to 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to reference the darkness in verse 7. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 7 is not referencing the believers, but unbelievers, when he says, for they, he was talking about the brethren, those who were children of the day, children of the light, but there is a They. They that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. This would be every person who is outside of Christ, every person who is still lost in their own darkness. Our comparative verse or our cross reference passage is John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. So, of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It goes on to say that the wrath of God abides on those that don't believe, but uh, those that do believe, they're saved. They have eternal life. But right after that, verse 19 through 21, we read this, and this is the condemnation. Why is it that people are under the wrath of God, under the sentence of God's wrath? For this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. Who is that light? Let's say it together. Who is the light? The light is come into the world, and men loved what? They loved darkness rather instead of, in place of, that light. Who is that light? Jesus. Now, why? Why? It says, because their deeds were evil. Now be careful. Don't get yourself in a place of saying, oh, those unsaved people, how despicable they are. Remember, but for the saving grace of God, that's where you are. The intervening grace of God in your life drew you out. Holds you out and rescued you from condemnation by the glorious light appearing in your life and your response to the person of Jesus. It goes on to say, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be, anybody remember the passage, lest his deeds should be reproved, corrected. The idea is not only known, but corrected. That he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, you and I don't have any deeds that would, um, that would commend us to God's favor. But when we turn to Christ, our deeds begin to follow that decision. And all the good that's in the life of the believer isn't our own goodness, but the work of God in the believer's life. Now, I draw this passage out to say again, they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. This John 3 passage says that they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Specifically, there are two admonitions of verse 7 that are noteworthy of those that are children of the darkness. And one is that they are asleep. Being asleep means that you are exercising a passive deadness to the spiritual things around you where you are insensitive to the things of God. You're insensitive. The best illustration, some of you are tired right now, aren't you? Come on, stay with me. The insensitivity to being awakened is the alarm clock that goes off and you don't hear it. Anybody got brothers or sisters or moms or dads where the alarm clock goes off and they don't hear it? Or, or, oh, somebody's going off. (laughs) See, your alarm just went off to wake you up. Is it mine? No, okay. All right, so your alarm goes off and some of you don't hear it at all. Others of you react quite adamantly to the alarm With what kind of reaction? You potentially hit it with a hammer or whatever else. And you you hit that snooze button, and you're basically saying this, go away, don't bother me. It's insensitive to the time of being awakened. See, when you went to bed, you were in your right mind. You knew what time you wanted to get up. You had all kinds of willpower to do so. But when that alarm went off, your flesh was agitated and you said, your flesh said, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. So being asleep is being insensitive or desensitized to what you should be paying attention to. It is how some people die in house fires. They don't know what's going on around them. It's how some people are robbed, according to our passage. The thief breaks in. They had no idea, no awareness, and no sensitivity towards it. Not being spiritually sensitive to the day at hand. The day at hand is the day of God's salvation and the coming day of God's judgment. If ever the world needed to be sensitive and aware of this message, it's our call as believers to help them become aware, just like someone helped us. So, they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. What's, a, what's that a reference to? It's a reference to the hedonism of the unbeliever. The idea that I am going to pursue my desires, whatever they are. I think drunkenness is chosen in particular because there's pleasure in drinking. There's a taking away of the feel of the stain of curse for a moment, but it always has hooks, it always has addiction, it always says come again, and it always takes away your senses, and the Bible challenges believers to have no part of it. The only admonitions that you have for taking wine or strong drink in the Bible is when you are seriously ill. It was used as a medicinal purpose. That was the admonition to take it. Why? Because it desensitizes you. It takes away your inhibitions. And it becomes a metaphor in this passage for the pursuit of my fleshly desires. Let me ask you do you think there are many Christians who are distracted by pleasures today? Do you think that's a major influence in believers' lives? The getting of what there is to get in life today to, to getting stuff and to being caught up in the world? Is it a temptation for believers? Well, this passage is saying that those who are in the darkness, this is where they live. They are children of the darkness, therefore they are insensitive and sleeping through the alarm going off. Now, by the way, the danger of that is the more you sleep through an alarm, the more you become desensitized to it. I used to live on campus at Maranatha Baptist University, and the boys' dormitory, I don't know if I ever told you this, Jonathan, you'll experience it when you go there, but the boys' dormitory right behind it is a railroad track. And at crazy hours of the night, the railroad or the trains would go down the track behind the ladies' dorms too, right? So, You got used to sleeping through the trains going by. And somehow your body and your mind said, I'm used to hearing that. And you became desensitized to it. There is a danger for the lost around us to be so insensitive to not hearing the gospel that they harden themselves to the call of God and are turned over in judgment, as Romans 1 says, where they are given over to something specifically. They're given over to hedonism. They're given over to the provision of their flesh. So much so is this true today that we have people that don't care about the things of God and have taken up different battle cries of society and those are the passions that are driving them. Matter of fact, Black Lives Matter and Antifa are both now claiming what is known as a um, uh, a black or uh, um, African-American phrase which is woke. How many of you familiar with the word woke? How many of you say I'm not sure, raise your hand, I'm not sure what woke is. Okay, woke is an African-American phrase that has the idea of being alive or awakened to social injustice and racism. Okay, that's the battle cry, social injustice and racism. Now by the way to be sure, we would not want to stand with anything that was socially unjust. Can you say amen to that? Is that true? Okay. We would not want to stand with any form of racism. Is that true? You better say it louder so you can be heard. Uh, do, you want to st- do you stand against all forms of racism? Yes. Okay, thank you. But those platforms by Black Lives Matter and by Antifa That group, representing that group, yesterday, as early as yesterday, in Portland, are burning the flag and they're burning Bibles. Hello? They're burning flags and they're burning Bibles. So for all these woke Christians that say, hey, I'm a part of that movement, you better check your facts and know what you're standing with. And you better rise to the calling of not being woke according to this society and be awakened to Jesus Christ. God has called this world to be awake to Christ and awake to righteousness. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34, this is what the verse says. Awake to righteousness and sin Not. Now it goes on further to say, for some have not the knowledge of God. Listen to this. I speak this to your shame. So while the world is busy about social justice, while the world is busy and distracted with racism, and again, I've made it clear, you have made it clear, we don't stand for any form of injustice or any form of racism, but while the world is super heavy about trying to make those things right, this is the day to know Christ. This is the day to live for Christ. This is the day as a believer to sell out for him. So here at the close of our time, we spend a significant moment in the last verse of this passage that we'll read today, verse eight. You have a conjunction here in verse eight and a call to decision for everyone here, but let us. We would do well to read this together. First Thessalonians 5 Verse eight, read it with me, please. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a an helmet, the hope of salvation. You have decisions to make today. Now you've come to worship him. You've come and you've said amen to passages. Your heart has assented to truths. but will you worship him applicationally? Will you take the decisions that need to be made now and make them? This is the call that I'm called to as well. This isn't a preacher just preaching to you. I'm called to the same calling. And here's the calling. Be a child of the light. Be a child of the day. So for those who are outside of the gospel message, listen, If you think you're going to find hope in all the politics and social movements of today, you are not. What you're going to find is that man has forever been cruel to man. You better not put your hopes in what this world has to offer. Today is a day to turn to Christ and be a child of the day. For those who are not saved, it is my hope that you will know the peace and joy that only God can give through the gospel. That there would be a faith-turning moment in your life where you, by the glorious, miraculous hand of God, come out of the darkness and are made a child of light. I will testimonially say something I love to say often. I have never regretted one day of giving my life to Christ. Can you say the same? I've never regretted one day, not one day, of giving my life to Christ. The Lord has never been anything anything but good to me. He is faithful. He is just. He is holy. He is loving. He is caring. He is comforting. He is peace-filled. He is joy-filled. And he is our hope. He's our eternity. He's our salvation. He's our redeemer. He's our justifier. He is the one to whom all glory should go and one to whom all glory is deserved. He is our great God and king. If you're a child of darkness where you have not come to Christ Come to Christ. Awake to righteousness. Be a child of the light. Secondly, be sober. But let us who are of the day be sober. Sober has with it two concepts. And the first of which it comes from the word in the Greek that has sobriety. It means to not have your senses desensitized. But the word's an interesting word because it also conveys with the idea having your senses for a purpose. The senses for a purpose are that you might watch with clarity. That you might be paying attention to what you're supposed to be paying attention to. So sobriety is keeping yourself spiritually from hitting the drunken bottle. And getting caught up with everything else so that you have lost your purpose, your calling, and what God has called you to, so that you will rise to the occasion of God's calling and live your life for his purpose and his glory. It is, again, this concept that we've heard since the beginning of this passage. Sobriety, a clarity of looking and watching for. Specifically, the context of the passage, looking for Christ. Be sober. It goes on to say, to put on these things the breastplate of faith and love. Believer, listen, I've told you already that you know, maybe I'm wrong, okay? Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just, it's one of me and there's one of you and we, we gotta sort this out. But I'm telling you that what I sense today, more and more in believers, I'm sensing um, a strain. And not necessarily in your relationship with each other, but I'm sensing that, that tension in God's people. And we've got some decisions to make are you a child of the day or not? Hello? Are you a child of the day or not? And if you're a child of the day, respond to the alarm clock and be a child of the day. Don't let yourself become desensitized to the things of God. Specifically, he calls us to two things that should ever and always be a part of the believer's life that change your disposition in navigating this world. Faith and love, they live together. You have been called to be a child of faith. Do not leave this place today Rot over what you read on Facebook. By the way, don't you have the sense that you probably should believe less what you read on Facebook? And yet, I, I get it, I get it. You are being watchful, and, and so you're paying attention. That's, that's a good thing. But in your paying attention, don't lose faith. In your paying attention, don't lose faith that God's got things under control and God's got a plan for your life. I don't know what's gonna happen to Brother MacArthur. I don't know what's gonna happen to Brother Smith and the churches in California, but I know God's got a plan. Are you willing to trust God? If you're gonna trust God with your soul for eternity, can't you trust him with your tomorrow? Can't you trust him for what's gonna happen? There are many that are predicting that Brother MacArthur might go to jail. The elders of that church might go to jail. And I, I responded uh, to someone who was telling me about this, it's more likely that they're to be fined into oblivion. Can God handle that? Has, let me, has the church ever faced trouble in the past? Oh no, nobody's ever seen anything like God is still in control. We are a people of faith all right, all right. This is kind of bold, and I don't mean to be so rude. We're, we are people of faith, now act like it. <laughs> Amen? Amen. We are people of faith, now act like it. Now act like it. The whole message might be good for you just to take that home and live with that. We're people of faith because we're children of the day, children of the night, of the light. Now act like it. Secondly, you are children of the day and of the light and we never lose the concept of love. Hello. We never lose the concept of love. Now love is not somehow uh, only for one group and not the other. As a matter of fact, it says faith and love generically. Meaning, this love is not just for believers who agree with you this is for a lost world the danger that we're going to have in Christianity is that there are so many pastors and so many churches that have the fortress mentality that I'm going to fight against all that evil and conspiracy of the world and, and you know I'm I I'm I'm going to draw the battle line and I'm ready to fight listen We better be ready to love. (laughs) Nobody said amen to that, but amen. amen. This is what we're going to be called to. We're going to have to beg God in prayer for what this looks like. And it won't be your carnal reaction that's going to get it done. I can't tell you how many times, you don't see me post a lot on Facebook on my page. I can't tell you how many times I've written something that all the world needed to hear. All the world needed to hear it. And I had it there and I pray over it and I think, ah, delete. (laughs) And I don't believe that that means if you're responding to things in the world through Facebook that you're a sinner. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we need to live in faith and better make sure that love wins the day in our disposition. And I'm telling you, I think it's hard because it's not natural to us. It's natural to him. And we're to abide in him so that that love works through us. I'm just saying, listen, Christians are becoming more angry Christians are becoming more kind of getting their dukes up kind of thing. We really need a lot of prayer on this, right? Okay, you don't, I do. I need a lot of prayer on this. It, it ends with this, and it says, and for a an helmet, the hope of salvation. So you and I are to Embrace ourselves with the ador- these adornments. We're to put these things on. We put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a an helmet, the hope of salvation. I'm going to tell you, it's just my musing. But I'm going to tell you why I think the order is this way. The breastplate is that which covers your heart. Okay, and I believe that there is in this is this is. I'm not going to write a book for 1999, but I'm going to tell you that I think that the reason faith and love are mentioned by a breastplate is because that covers your emotions. How you feel about the world. How you feel about what's happening in the world. The reason I believe we adorn our heads with the helmet of salvation is because it changes the way we think about the world. And the way we think about the world is we, of all people on the planet, are hope-filled people out of everybody else on the planet. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are on the planet. If you're not a believer, you're not living in hope. Here's the thing. There are people in all kinds of different religions, and they're maintaining their standing in God because of what they do, and that's exhausting because we are not saved by our righteousnesses. We're saved by the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone. He either did it all or he didn't, and he said he did it all. So I don't wake up any day in my life thinking, oh, I better get this down and this down and this down and this down so that I can be worthy of heaven. Jesus made me worthy of heaven, not me. And I don't wake up each day with this fevered, oh no, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and what if now I'm tempted? I am tempted, I am tempted to worry over things. Are you tempted to worry? Are there things in your life that you're tempted to worry over? Don't. You come to you who want counseling? Come to me, and I'll say, don't. <laughs> and then you can go away after we pray, and it will be done. <laughs> Pastor Jeff said, don't. We have the hope of salvation. Let that pervade and permeate your mind. Think on these things. Think on the hope that we have in Christ. Let it change your thinking. Now, does it seem like I'm a little bit passionate about this? I'm asking. Does it seem like I'm not? Why? I need this. Okay, I'm not just, I'm not up here you know, throwing the word of God at you and somehow beating you up. I need the working of the word of God on my life just like you do. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. But so let us live as the children of light with the high calling of God that we have in Christ Jesus and may he, as Monty said when we began, may he be glorified whatever he does. Whether it's cancer, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's a car wreck, You notice how all those were alliterated? Uh, So, that was for free. (laughs) We are children of hope.